Hi, everyone. This is Abhishek from ShakeTheCosmos.com. My guest today is Roman Jackson. Roman and I met at Bowdoin College, actually. And Roman is a program officer, and he acts in it as an agent for his employer to provide grants to nonprofit organizations on behalf of client foundations. He's a generalist, which means that he provides funding to support different causes, such as animal welfare, economic development, housing and homeless education, youth development, and many more things. And his biggest portfolio projects have included art and cultural and workforce development. And he's developed programming and participated on many panels regarding building the capacity of the field and has ushered over tens of millions of dollars in grants to support organizational development to nonprofits in New York City and across the country. Well, I'm excited, Roman, to talk to you about nonprofits and how they're impacted by COVID. And thank you for making the time to chat with us. Thank you for making, thank you for having me on. Um, I'm always excited to talk to another Bowen alum and always excited to talk with you as well. I know like our conversations throughout the years have been awesome and really excited to be, um, a guest on your show today. So thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm looking forward to learning a lot from you. So what we're going to dive right into it. Um, and I think of you as a nonprofit expert in terms of a lot of things. So, but let's, Take a step back. How did, where did you find your passion to be in the nonprofit field? My passion for the nonprofit field comes from my experience having been served by nonprofit organizations throughout my life, which has helped me become the person I am today. Coming from a disadvantaged background, the Harlem Children's Zone was instrumental in helping me and lots of others to achieve academic and career success. There are many others across the country, just like me, who suffer from societal barriers that are helped by nonprofits. So that I'm just thinking about that, um, really how your passion coming from other nonprofits helping you uh, as a young person. And um, it, and it's that's really interesting. So what's what's uh, like what are the nonprofits going through today that? Uh, you know, we're in a very troublesome time with the COVID situation. COVID has had a catastrophic impact on the nonprofit sector and their constituents. The demand for nonprofit services has heightened as in this crisis as people are either losing their jobs and in need of necessities such as food, shelter, and even money to have pay their rent. So I, I guess that, that helps me understand it a little bit from a different equation. Yeah, because I see sort of, you know, people needing a lot of services and nonprofits provide a lot of those services. So you're saying like that is catastrophic because is it because like just they have to do more work? The quantity of quantity of demand is increased? Yeah. And so like the demand for nonprofit services has increased dramatically throughout these times. But the issue is that they have to keep up with this heightened demand while they have to support their staff as well and take precautions. Um, they have to be able to s- support this heightened demand while having less staff available, whether it be less staff because those staff members are home recovering from COVID and other illnesses or because they've had to lay off those staff members. Um, nonprofit organizations also in this time are losing revenues. Uh, a lot of nonprofits either support or 
dependent on events as earned income. And throughout these times, a lot of these nonprofits haven't been able to have their galas or fundraisers, which are typically a large portion of their overall income. Um, another issue is nonprofits typically get, lots of nonprofits get supported by government, which have already struggled to keep up with their reimbursement payments, um, see nonprofits providing services. Now these nonprofits are not only getting paid for the services that they've already provide, but many aren't capable of providing the services that are needed to get the government funding uh, because the way the government. Yeah. So I'm thinking about like the couple of things you're mentioning, one being they have to now support this increased demand with less resources and this government funding is also the second piece of it. So um, that's, uh, I mean, I thought the, like, I guess um, that makes it much more uh, tricky, but I, you know, I guess trying to think how does, how does that show in like day to day for a nonprofit? Uh, what does that look like if, you know, somebody is getting more demand for their services? Like maybe you could think of an example that comes for a nonprofit. Yeah. And so I've had conversations with many uh, leaders of nonprofit organizations who really talk about just having to lay off a lot of people and just unfortunately aren't able to provide the vital services that are needed to keep up with the demand. Also, there are nonprofits who, like, take, for instance, arts organizations, theaters, uh, who have, who can't do their performances, um, and, and the venues because of social distancing. And so there have been some nonprofits who have been able to try to come up with creative ways in order to maintain their programs. Uh, for, the arts is still vital in this period of time. I mean, the arts is uh, the thing that brings all of us hope. And without the arts, um, it's it's really hard for a lot of us to get through this period of time. And so there have been a lot of organizations who have been streaming live performances online are developing ways in which they can still participate in the art remotely. Yeah, I see. So like the theater is a good example I hadn't even thought about. Like, yeah, people can't go to the theaters now. So then they're impacted. And um, and sort of the funding aspect of it, too, I guess it makes comes to mind as you're saying these two things, because nonprofits, some nonprofits get funding from the government as well. So um, how does that impact some of that, uh, the work they're doing? Yeah, and so in a lot of cases, uh, how organizations get supported by the government is that they'll have like these contracts that kind of work on a reimbursement model. And so in order for them to have to get paid, they have to perform the services first. And so uh, a lot of organizations aren't able to get reimbursed for services that they haven't performed, but still they have, they still have staff that they have to support and they still have constituents in the community that they still need to support in some kind of way, even if it is not the way that they outlined in their contract to the government. That makes sense. Yeah. And also, um, even before this crisis, typically there are lots of delays in which organizations do get reimbursed by the government. And so I know organizations 
that were like six months to a year behind and getting paid by the government before the COVID crisis. And so oh, it would be really difficult for the organizations to get those fundings at all. I'm trying to think uh, it's almost like um, if it was like a for-profit and the money is no longer coming in and that really impacts a lot of things. So in it for a nonprofit, if the government funding is delayed or just not available anymore, then that's going to impact a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, you have to also understand that usually we ask that, nonprofit organizations at least have six months of cash on hand, which means that if they were not to receive any funding from any sources, they can at least continue their operations for six months. Uh, however, most organizations already didn't meet that level. Most organizations usually only have one or two months of cash on hand or, or liquid funds in order to use for their operation. Oh, wow. So that's that's kind of an insightful thing. I mean, considering we're we're in a time where the deadline for this thing is like TBD or when this will end is TBD. So if- yeah, I mean, you have I've heard a lot of organizations that say if this this trend continues, uh, they will be bankrupt in less than a month. So it's uh, it's this time this period has been really difficult on nonprofit organizations. Some have already had to lay off their staff or furlough their staff, while others are just waiting to see what happens. I mean, they are just holding out, hoping that things will turn around in the next couple of weeks. But more organizations are going to have to make those difficult decisions as we continue to move forward without support. I appreciate that. I mean. I didn't know all these things. So thank you. I think really helps me understand what's going on in the nonprofit world right now. Um, so let's say, yeah, it is. I kind of get it with the catastrophic, what you mentioned earlier. So what about just, you know, they're leaders of nonprofit, uh, their organization. What, what are some things they can be doing now to take action? to address some of this uh, situation they've got going on? Well, recognizing that we are in dire times. Uh, I think these are the times where dynamic leadership is key and important to sustaining an organization. And of course, making difficult decisions isn't easy, but I think in order to really think long-term about the organization and to think long-term about being able to continue the fight against your particular cause that the leader is supporting, they have to be able to make those difficult short-term decisions. So number one thing, I guess, comes you're saying is just be able to make difficult decisions, like recognizing that this is that dire time to do that. Correct. Um, and another thing is you have to also be mindful of the opportunities that are coming about from this period of time. Uh, thinking about how will this world be completely different moving forward? Uh, whether that be, um, what are going to be some other essential vital services that the organization is going to need to su- provide, uh, to support their constituents in light of COVID? And also thinking about how to support those individuals um, in different ways that you've been supporting them in the past. And so during this time of COVID, 
video conferencing and video support has gone up tremendously just out of necessity. And so really thinking through how you can use these resources in the future to continue to support your mission. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess thinking, you know, so number one thing, it's going to be difficult. This is, you got to make some difficult decision. Number two, there might be some opportunities. So let's dive deeper into that a little bit just for, so are we talking like a pivot, like into something else or like what can an organization do that they're already focused on something? How can they be knowing, oh, there's an opportunity elsewhere? I think it's it's really thinking through how this situation is going to change our society and also um, thinking through how that change is ultimately going to impact the mission that you're advocating for. I, I think moving forward, leaders tend to think about the day-to-day work where they don't really aren't able to see the long-term impact of their work or how their impact is truly changing our society as a whole. And so I think really having that long-term approach to your your mission and the long-term approach to advocating for that mission uh, is going to be critical in these times. Like, for instance, I just was telling people that before these times, um, I, I think we've slowly and slowly gotten to digital learning and digital education. And thinking about how digital education can be impactful to people who experience barriers to getting through high school or college, even community colleges. Like right now, community colleges typically have less than a 30% graduation rate. So that means that nearly 70 people or more than 70 people are not completing community college or failing out. And that's because they already had conditions and barriers that prevented them from failing or not getting through these colleges. That's a, yeah, that's a, that's a good example. Like digital, those things have been fast tracked a little bit by this. Yeah. I mean, just think about someone who has to travel two hours to get to a college and, and imagine if that person already has a child and has other barriers. Imagine that person being able to take their coursework at home. That means that person won't have to travel. That, that person won't have to worry about the travel back and forth. That person won't have to worry about child care. That person won't have to worry about getting, well, here in New York City, a Metro card or worry about the travel expenses or the health or, or the, um, or I would say the expenses for daycare or to take care of their mm-hmm. kids while they're at school. And so there's, a lot of opportunity that exists for those who have typically had barriers to education that can be broken down by the things that are going to be implemented, like due to this crisis. I, I, I appreciate that. I mean, and you know what you're saying about just going back to the mission of the organization and almost like these opportunities you're talking about kind of helps still serve and it might even expand to new customers uh, of the mission that the organization's after. Right. And so you can even kind of think about this kind of similar to the stock market. And so the stock market typically has cycles every six to eight years. And 
this cycle has happened. It took a little while longer to happen, but these cycles typically happen uh, throughout our history. And typically what happens is after a recession, the stock market comes back stronger than ever. And I think that's because oftentimes people who have wealth or who have means are capable of thinking about opportunities and times of recession, whereas people without wealth and without means and with barriers are typically not in a position to. Well, it's very interesting you mentioned that too, because reading something that said the stock market is disproportionately owned by like rich, like very wealthy people. Like, the, and so that makes sense, this whole bounce back you're talking about. Yeah. And so I think it's, it's, it's harder for people experiencing, um, traumas and experiencing disadvantages to think about opportunities and times and critical crisis. However, I think long term thinking is ultimately key to getting through this and is ultimately key to getting getting it, bringing yourself stronger than you were before this crisis happened. And I think for a lot of nonprofit leaders, they not only have to think about this within their organizations, but they have to think about it within their overall advocacy towards their mission. But they also have to think about it in regards to what they demand out of our government. Great. And so our government, nonprofits exist because our government isn't able to fulfill the overall needs of the population of this country. And mm. so it is going to be critical for nonprofit leaders to understand that they cannot do this alone and they need the support of government in order to help fulfill their mission. And so I think the advocacy efforts of nonprofit organizations have to get stronger through this period of time. I appreciate that. And um, as we're wrapping up here, just thinking of, like, are there resources that um, or organizations that or contacts that would be useful for um, people to tap into um, any last uh, minutes thoughts that come to mind for you? Absolutely. And so I would there, there is there are relief programs out there and whether they be relief programs by the government or relief programs from other foundations or funders and even nonprofits, I would recommend seeking out the resources that are available in your community and also understanding what resources are available through our government that aren't necessarily advertised for the nonprofit field, but nonprofits can take advantage of. And so the CARES Act and the um, the SBA loans that are going out, nonprofits are eligible to apply for those loans as well. Uh, unfortunately, we heard the other day that those um, the funding is currently not available anymore as all the funding has been divvied out. However, we are anticipating for uh, Congress and the Senate to pass another legislation to um, increase funding in that pool. And nonprofits have to be able to apply to those funds right away because the demand is going to be so high that ultimately those who act first are going to have a higher chance of getting taking advantage of those resources. Thank you. Yeah. Also, I would look at technical assistance agencies in your area, whether those agencies are there to help you support your capacity uh, throughout these tough times or agencies that are there to support your constituents while you are unable to support them. Really just thinking through what are some key partnerships that you can have in 
your region where you can fulfill the, the holistic needs of your constituents uh, as uh, together. I, I think out of this, a lot of organizations may have to think strategically about how they can pull resources together in order to survive not only this crisis, but also to be more effective and efficient around how to utilize resources moving forward. That makes sense. Yeah. So I think, you know, just a couple of things um, there you mentioned, I'll be sure to include the links to those in the podcast description as well. So people can look into those um, technical uh, agent associations, as well as some of the resources that are coming through the CARES Act, uh, I think you mentioned as well. And then your local community, sorry, and also your local community foundation or other foundations in your community. I understand these foundations are definitely getting hit with a lot of calls, but I would see if you already have a relationship with a foundation, uh, reach out to them to see if they can provide some level of support, whether that's additional funding to support you through this crisis, or even um, if you already have a current grant with that foundation, ask that foundation if they can turn that grant to a GOS. So GOS. What grant. is a GLS? Sorry. And so a general operating support grant is a grant that a nonprofit has full discretion over. That means they can use for any purpose that they please. Uh, typically, a lot of grants that are given now are project-based, and so they're geared towards a specific project. Um, I would see if that grant can be converted to a GOS grant to help you support the COVID crisis. Uh, I know I've had a lot of organizations reach out to me, and I, along with my fellow foundation peers have been very flexible in that regard um, and also extending uh, the grant period. And so we recognize that you aren't able to provide the services at this given time. Um, usually foundations will be happy to allow you to uh, report out report out um, your activities much longer than uh, had previously been contracted to. Well, thank you. I think really appreciate that uh, tip there with the GL converting uh, funding to the general general operating support. General operating support. Uh, well, I learned a lot today um, about what nonprofit sector is doing, and appreciate your suggestions as well on how the leaders can overcome some of that what they're going through right now. Yeah, and one last advice I would give the leaders. Use each other as a support network. Leaders should be talking to each other. As I found in my in my past of doing leadership training in a nonprofit sector, the most valuable experience leaders got were able to come together and talk about the issues and challenges that they were experiencing in their own organizations and learning from each other on how to navigate those challenges. So, that are are there are there communities um, that you know that come top of your mind that people can do that through? And this time of day, I would say do it through LinkedIn. I, I would say reach out to peers in your community that have either similar organizations or just other nonprofit organizations that might not be in your space, but they still are going through similar challenges that your organization might be going through. And you can all learn from each other. And so uh, some communities have the benefit of having leadership gatherings, whether they are through technical assistance agencies that I mentioned earlier before, whether foundations are promote, put it, putting those together. However, I find in most cases where leaders have come together on their own have definitely been beneficial to the community. So if you don't have those a, a group that's already 
um, has been conveyed through another source, I would recommend taking the leadership step, taking taking steps to creating your own networks. Great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all these tips and tricks for nonprofit leaders. Uh, really appreciate your time today, Roman. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me, Abhishek. Always a pleasure speaking with you. All right. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. Please hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week.